All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Season, season two, dropping the gloves with John Scott. I love it. Thank you for being here. I'm here with Tim, my main man, my infantry soldier. Oh, Larry, with the little side, what's that called? A sound effects. Sound effects. With the sound effects. Hold on. Season two. Oh, we are blowing the budget in season two. Watch out. Watch out. And we're here, dropping the gloves. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's another rainy day here. Still hasn't really turned over to spring with the sun and warm weather. We're hoping, hoping it'll happen soon. Easter's around the corner. I'm getting excited. The kids are getting ready for the Easter egg hunts. It's going to be a very, very, very big weekend. But before all that, we're going to talk about the biggest story in hockey right now. The Columbus Giant Killer Blue Jackets. Unbelievable. Wow. Wow. It's it's insane going into this playoffs. If you were to ask anybody who their favorite was coming out of the East, the lightning, I would say at least half, if not more would have said, boom, lightning coming out of the East. I, I said it. I know a lot of experts picked the lightning. The blue jackets came in and handed them their lunch. They lost. They were down three, nothing in the first period of the first game. And then they just decided to, to dominate for the next three, six, nine, eleven periods. It was the most just just domination. It was it was unbelievable. I mean, if you asked anyone, it would have seemed like even extending it to five games for the Blue Jackets would have been a steal. You know, like yeah. if they can steal one game from the Lightning, that would be a victory. And yeah. they just beat them in four games. My prediction was Lightning in five. I thought Bob would steal a game, like you said, but no. All of Columbus's big players stepped up. Every move that they made at the deadline worked out perfectly. And their power play, humming along at 50%. I think they went four for eight, something silly like that, five for 10. But they absolutely just decimated, picked apart the Lightning. I knew, I know the Lightning had injury problems with Hedman and Strawman and Kucherov being suspended. But still, it was a complete. Wow, what a letdown for the Lightning. And then they send out that sad tweet after they get swept by four. Like, sorry, everybody. That was a little pathetic. It was a little sad. It's like, do better. Just accept the loss and move on. Don't cower to your fans and say sorry and just play the victim. It was just very pathetic. You're right. But also good news. The Blue Jackets, all their gambling paid off. The GM looks like a genius. 
The guys they brought in, they worked out perfectly. Bobrovsky's playing lights out. Panarin's playing lights out. Duchesne, they they look like a juggernaut, unstoppable. They have a legit, a legit number one defenseman in Seth Jones, who is a shutdown guy, can also produce on offense. They are a scary, scary team. And it's funny, I don't know if you're a team like Boston or Toronto. Would you rather play a Lightning team who you know is soft? Are you a little nervous now? Oh boy, the Jackets got their their ish together. I would be because I mean, this time of year, it's all about who's got a chip on their shoulder, who's gelling together as a team, who's got a great leadership and coaching that's going to you know compete with that. Um, and Blue Jackets have all that in spades right now. They, it's yeah, it's it's fun to watch. I, I I'm excited to see where they go if they play. A hard matchup for them, I think, is the Bruins. The Bruins are basically their twin. They play a heavy, heavy game. They have the same amount of talent. I think Colorado might have, or excuse me, Columbus has an edge and goal. But it would just be an interesting, interesting series. So who knows where we're uh, going from here. But I did send out a tweet saying that if Columbus won the series, I would dish on some John Tortorella stories. And the people responded. They want to hear it. And it's interesting because I was only, I got traded to the Rangers back in 2000, who knows when. I was with the Hawks, and it was the trade deadline. Everybody knows the deadline. It's the most, one of the most exciting days in hockey. The players know it. The GMs know it. The fans know it. Everybody pretty much watches TSN, Bob McKenzie. You, you follow on Twitter if you're a player because usually you find out for the trades before the GM or the team gets a hold of you. So it's, it's 2.45. I'm folding laundry. We had the day off. And 245, 250, 255, it's two, 3 o'clock. The trade deadline ends at 3. I'm like, oh, the Hawks were done. We were in the playoffs. We were, I think we made a few minor moves, nothing too crazy. I was like, oh, good. You know, I'm still going to have a spot on the team. No one really came in that would take my position. I was like, great. You know, I'll, I'll be playing next week. I get a call from, I see on my phone, it's Bowman. I'm like, oh, no. Here we go. Initially, I thought I was being sent down. I was like, they traded for somebody. They need room. I was like, I'm getting sent down. Great. What, like, what a joke. I pick up the phone. Stan's like, John, uh, we traded you to New York. I was like, what? Like, I haven't seen anything came across the ticker. Nothing from Bob McKenzie. It was one of those after the deadline deals where they faxed it in probably at 2.55. I was like, great. I'm going the Islanders who were in last place. They had a bunch of goons as it was. They had... Uh, Trevor Gillies and Matt Martin and uh, Sezikis and, and another tough guy too. I can't remember. Mark, Matt Karkner. So they had a bunch of tough guys. I was like, great. We're going to go to the goon show. It's going to be terrible. And then he goes, no, you're going to the Rangers. And I was like, what? The Rangers were in first place in the East. They were humming along and they were serious contenders to win the cup. They had Gabrick and Richards. Lundqvist was playing lights out. They had McDonough, Strawman, Girardi. Like they were a solid, solid team. And for some reason, they wanted to trade for me. And I guess Stan, he told me that the Rangers had been calling all season. Glenn Sather liked the way I played. He said he always wanted the the toughest guy in the league on his team. As, Glenn's, as Glenn put it when I was sitting with him in his office, a very intimidating office, Glenn Sather, by the way. He had every player in the whole league on his wall, on a little magnet. And every player in the AHL in a little magnet on his wall, massive wall, magnetic wall. And every player was on there. And he sits down, he has his unlit cigar in his mouth and he goes, you know why I traded for you? And I go, I have no idea, Glenn, no idea why I've scored 
three assists, zero goals. I've probably played 40 games. Like, what? I don't get it. He's like, I want the toughest SOB in the league on my team so no one messes with me. I was like, nice. He's like, after this season, we'll, we'll sign you two, three years. We'll be all set. I was like, perfect. Sounds great. You know, going into a new team, you never know what to expect. And their GM basically tells you, hey, we're going to lock you down for two, three years. Perfect. We'll deal with it after the season. I was like, great. I'm used to one-year deals. This will be, you know, fantastic. So that that happens. I go to New York. I meet with Glenn. They had the day off the first day I got there. So the next day I go to the rink. I go into Torch's office and he's like, what? What are you doing here? I'm like, uh, I'm the new the new player? And Torts just stares at me. He's like, uh, he had no idea who I was. Well, he knew who I was, but he had no idea what I was doing there. He didn't know about the trade? Did not know about the trade whatsoever. That communication going there, huh? Slats didn't let him know that I was getting traded there. And I, I, I walk in, and I go, yeah, I, like, I, mean, I was told to come and meet you. He's like, yeah, I, don't, I, don't know. I don't know why you're here, but uh, good to have you here. I don't know where I'll put you or where you'll, you'll slide in or play, but, uh, you know, whatever. And I'm like, so random. The head coach doesn't even know I was coming to the team. What an introduction to the team, huh? I know. And I was just kind of, I was like, oh, this is, this is not good. The head coach didn't even want me, didn't even know I was going to be on his team. And now I'm just kind of there. You know what I mean? Were you kind of panicking a little bit? Like, am I ever going to see the ice now? Not really, because the GM said he wanted me to play there for years after that. I was like, I thought it was a little funny. I was like, what is what is happening here? Like, is this a Twilight Zone? So I ended up playing the next eight to ten games they had left in the season. Everything was everything was fine. They had some injuries to uh, Prust and Rupp. And, like, everything was good. I One of the – everyone wants tor- Tortorella stories. So we started off on kind of a wrong foot there. I got a bad – you know, bad taste in my mouth when I left that meeting. The next day, I'm trying to make a good impression. I go to the rink super early, get my gear situated, try everything on. I go into the locker room. He's sprinting like a madman on the treadmill. And I was like, what is going on? And it's, and I can just see, I can hear it. You know when you hear a treadmill, it's like, like footsteps. I'm like, someone's in there really getting some work in. And the music they were playing was so bizarre it was like a very relaxing classic rock. And I wish I would have remembered the singer, but it was like a captain and Tennille, like uh, nothing that would get you pumped up. And I come around the corner and it's just little torts sprinting on the treadmill. And I didn't bother him. I just kind of walked by, but I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. The coach is literally getting it in before the practice. Is that a one-time thing or is that something he did all the time? Every day. I know. And that's, I gained a lot of respect, not a lot, a little respect. I was like, it's pretty cool. The coach is in there like busting his hump, getting, you know, the work in before the day begins. It was, it was kind of cool to see because if you put him on the ice, he's a terrible skater. He is for, for the amount of ice coaches get out of all the coaches I've had. And I've had coaches who are pushing 70 years old. He was by far the worst skater and skills guy I've ever been coached by. He would try to, <laughs> we're going to do the drill this way. And he would like just throw a pass or try to shoot it. And it was like a, a six-year-old kid with a broken arm trying to <laughs> do the play. It was so funny. And the guys would just laugh. I'm like, this guy, it's he, kind of funny, kind of pathetic. But then he's your coach and you just got to listen to him. So he's a good hockey mind, but man, did not translate to the ice. So one of the first games 
the first few games I played, we played against the Devils. One of the Rangers' big, big rivals. And they had some dust-ups before I got there. And it was an afternoon game, or no, it was a night game. And for some reason, Torts didn't think I was going to play that night. So I got bag skated in the afternoon. And he's like, you know, we'll, we'll get your work in in the afternoon, and then we'll come, you'll have warm-ups, and then you'll, you'll be done. Very common, happened to me hundreds of times in my career. I do the bag skate, I go back, I don't really take a nap. I think I walk around the city a little bit. We go to the New Jersey for the game. Go to get ready for the game. When I'm not playing, I don't tape my stick. I don't check my equipment because I know I'm not playing. I just kind of play soccer for 45 minutes and watch TV and do a crossword. So not really prepping for the game. Someone gets hurt in warm-ups. I'm like, oh boy, okay, I have to play. I'm already gassed because I've been bag skated that day. I didn't really have a good pregame meal. I, kind of, I probably went and ate some hot dogs on the street. I walked around New York City that whole afternoon I didn't prepare before the game. I didn't get my stretches, my lather going. I didn't do what I usually do. My sticks aren't taped. I'm like, okay, here we go. We're playing. One of the first or second shifts, I line up, and they had Bolton and Jansen. And Torts is never shy when he talks. Like, everybody knows. They see him in the interviews. They see him going after players between the benches and in the hallways. He's a lunatic. So I line up with uh, Eric Bolton. And Torts just starts screaming at him. What are you going to do now, Bolton? Look who we got, big boy. Not so tough now, baby. And this is my head coach. And he's literally three feet from us, screaming his head off at Eric Bolton, like taunting him, trying to get him to fight me. And I and I go to Bolton. I'm like, well, do you want to fight? Or <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just got here. Do you know Torch is going to do that? No idea whatsoever. No idea. And this, it didn't happen once or twice. The whole game, he was taunting, chirping Cam Jansen and Bolton, trying to get them to fight me. Like, he's yelling across the ice, you bleep and bleep, like, just giving it to every every guy he can. Look who we got now, the sheriff's in town, baby. What are you going to do? And he's like, I am really cleaning it up. He's, like, letting loose to these guys. I'm just like, whoa, this guy is... He is intense. Did you end up fighting that night? I ended up fighting. I think I ran Brodeur on purpose, not on purpose. One of those ones where I just bump into him because we were down a goal and they weren't fighting and I wanted to make some kind of impression. So I ran the goal. I beat up Jansen, but it wasn't like an exciting fight, but whatever. We ended up coming back and winning, which was good. Torts was happy. So that was, that was one of my first initiation to him on the bench. Another, well, pfft. Gosh, there's so many torch stories. One of the interesting things about him is we would do a lot of video. And the good thing about torts is he would not have favorites on his team. So if you did something wrong, he would let you know. And when we were on the Rangers, we had a pretty defensive-minded team. The only really offensive players we had were Brad Richards, Marion Gabrick, and at the tail end, Matt Zuccarello played. But Gabby was the one who, you know, steered the offense. And Torts hated him. They, those two absolutely did not agree on how to play the game. And they were not afraid to let each other know how they felt. Every meeting we would have, Gabby could have scored three goals, two assists. We would have won five to one. Torts would play without fail, at least three or four clips of Gabby not covering his D-man, getting out of the way of the shot, 
flamingoing when he's trying to block a shot, not finishing a check, not coming back hard through the middle. And these are all things that Torts preaches, 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 preaches. Get in the lane, come back through the middle, stay on your defenseman, like funnel everything to the center, like just very, very, very defensive-minded, simple things. And he drills it into your head every practice, every day, every night. And Gabby just didn't care. He never stayed on his defenseman. He was always sniffing for a breakaway. He's not going to block a shot. He's not coming back through the middle. He's changing when he's not supposed to change. And he would show these videos. And it would be hilarious because we would the, the players would know it's coming. And Gabby would be like, here we come, boys. Here, here we go. And the guys would just be waiting for it. And Torts, he would pause it. He would have to take a break to compose himself. He would go, Gabby. Gabby. And everybody, here we go. And then we would just be watching Gabby and Torts. And Torts would start to get red. What the are you thinking here? And Gabby would play play dummy. Like, I don't know. Is that not where I'm supposed to be? Are you how long have you been here, Gabby? And he they would just go at each other for so long, and Gabby would give it back to him. I score goals. What do I score goals? I'm trying to score a goal. We're not here to score goals. You're doing it my way. And they go back and forth. It was the most unprofessional environment I've ever seen ever in a hockey rink where the coach and the player would just go at each other in front of the whole team. It was insane. Would it change over the course of the year? Like one guy starts giving in a little bit or just every single meeting, every video clip? I was only there for three months. And from the first week to the third month, it got progressively worse where, and who knows what it was before I got there. I'm sure they had a good relationship at one time, but as the games got more intense and they got more important, the, the FU matches got more and more intense to the point where the guys were like, let's, you know, let's take it easy fellas. Like we're, we're trying to win a game here. We're not, you know, we don't really hate each other. Right. We don't, we don't, but they, they did not like each other. And Gabby will tell you that torts will tell you that too. They both just, they just did not agree on things and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. In that same video room, another funny thing happened. So the playoffs had started I was not playing. I think I didn't play the first round. We were, oh gosh, were we in the second round already? I can't remember. It was the first or second round. It doesn't matter. So we're doing video. And when I tweeted this, that thing out a couple of days ago, Marty Biron's like, tell the story about the video room. I'm like, okay, well, here we go, Marty. This is it. Because the video session ended and torts, we're all leaving, but before we leave, the whole team's there. He looks at me, and goes, "Hey, John, you're not gonna, uh, you're not gonna skate with the team anymore." And I was kind of caught off guard. He goes, "Yeah, you're gonna skate with the Black Aces," and I go, "What the?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, we need you to uh, pack up your stuff and uh, go dress in the other locker room." And I came, I was like, it just fell out of my mouth. I was like, "Are you what? Are you serious?" And I go, no way. And I think that kind of surprised me. He goes, excuse me? You, do you have a problem with this? And I go, yeah, I do. I'm like, I think it's kind of BS. I'm a part of this team. What are you like? What are you doing? And he's like, this is my decision. This, I, you know, you can get some work in with the Black Aces and you'll skate with them. You'll dress with them. And that, that's how it's going to go. And I, go, I think it's pretty, I think that's pretty, and I, you know, maybe had some colorful language. I said, I'm a vet. I've been in a league for five years. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, come, come into my office. So we, I went into his office 
and we laid into each other for a solid 25, 30 seconds where it was just like, I thought it was going to go to blows almost because I was so upset, like so, so, so upset. I remember after that whole thing, I had to go back to him and I was like, listen, sorry, I've never talked to a coach like that before. I, I just really didn't agree with your decision. You know, I, I'll be obedient. I'll go and do it, but I don't really care for it. But I was like, so upset. The guys on the team were, were listening. And that's why Marty's like, tell the story about the video room because everyone could hear us. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, they must have, they must have loved it. Oh, I came out of there and like, what happened? And I was like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I got let, let him get the better of me. And it was, ugh. but even to this day, I still don't understand his reasoning. And I get that he wants me to get some, you know, work in skating wise, just in case they need me to play, but I can still practice with the team and be around the team. I don't know what it was. Maybe he thought I was a bad influence or what, but I, I don't know. It is what it is. It was a, it was a weird situation. Part of it's probably the way he handled it too. Like not just pulling you aside and telling you, but just barking at it and yeah. barking at you in front of everybody. He had uh, no timing. Trying to embarrass you. Yeah. And that, that was another thing. I was like, really? Like, are you serious? Like right here in front of the whole team, like embarrassing me. It was just, I, I did not, I did not like it. He, he doesn't care. He doesn't, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about my feelings. He's in it to win it. So I went to that. And we were playing at MSG, so they throw us in a room that was on the complete opposite side of the, the Rangers room. It's this little tucked away room where the refs get dressed when the game's on. So it's it's a tiny room. And I'm in there with, it was me, um, Jeff Wojtka, and all the guys from the AHL. I was like, man, this is brutal. So me and Jeff were dressing in there before, and all these rookies are coming to our room from the AHL. They just got eliminated. So we had like a whole crop of guys coming up. And so they're walking into the room. They're just, they have all their gear. And I, I go, welcome to hell boys. And Torts is so small that I didn't see him. He was behind one of the rookies and he comes around the corner right as I was going, welcome to hell boys. And he looks me right in the eye and he goes, Oh really Scotty, this is hell. And I go, oh, man, <laughs> like what? Of course he's right there. Of course you are there, you little tiny man. Torch is always there. He's always you gotta there. You got to know that. He's probably he's, in this room right now. Uh, I stick my foot in my mouth so often when I say stuff like that to the point where I just need to stop saying stuff. But he goes, really, Scotty? This is hell? Really? And I go, oh, Torch. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> but he was actually okay with that, and we... You know, we moved on and he was cool. I understood what he was, what he was trying to do. And he's a good coach, but it was just the delivery, the way he went about it was terrible. And the season ended. I I didn't have much FaceTime with him after that, but the interesting thing was the year end meeting because we, we lost in game six and overtime to the, uh, the devils. If we would have won, we would have went to the cup finals and played LA. So it was, it was a pretty, you know, heartbreaking loss. Slats has already told me he wants me to sign again. And I went into the year end meeting and it was a quick one. Like I obviously didn't play much. And I was like, so whatever. And he's like, yeah, we didn't really have the best relationship. It was obvious. And he's like, Slats wants you back. I think next year we could use you more. You're a tough guy. We're, we're losing some toughness. Prust and Rupp are probably going to be gone. We'll definitely, you know, have a, have a spot for you. And I said, well, what's your plans, Torts? Are you, are you probably going to be here? 
And he's like, yeah, I'll probably be here. And I said, okay, I don't think I'll be back. And I just left. So because he's going to be there because he was there. I didn't want to play for him. That was, is crazy. Yeah. So it was just one of those things where I knew it was a bad environment and I didn't, I didn't want to be in there. What so, did he say? He's like, fair enough. And he didn't, I, I, I think he didn't want me there either. The, the GM wanted me there. He obviously didn't want me. So I think they went out and signed, uh, I don't know who they signed, Colt Noor or somebody. So it worked out for them, worked out for me. I went to Buffalo, played a bunch, got a ton of goals, and, you know, was the All-Star Game MVP, whatever. You know, who's counting? Who's counting? But there's a lot more torch stories. I don't want to, you know, divulge them all right now. But I think my ending impression on him was he was a good coach. He gets the most out of every single player, but his rhetoric and his message, it loses its luster pretty quick. So I know a lot of the vets on that team, and they were with Torts for four or five years, the Lunkvist, the Richards, the Stalls, Girardis. By the third or fourth year, the Callahans, they were just like, they tuned him out. They're just like, whatever. He would come in and rant and scream and this and that. Then once he would be out of earshot, they'd be like, okay, this is what we're, we're doing ignore him like seriously they would say whatever let him scream till he's red in the face and we'll we'll figure it out we got a good team we can win the cup just let him think he's the boss but he's not and that's how it went with him wow. you know if someone yells at you for three years you just tune him out every once in a while you know i right, want to turn you tune you out tim you nazi sympathizer unbelievable so that's my torch stories for now we'll get marty beer on i bet you he's got a million of them yeah yeah, we'll get Marty to come on. We'll we'll talk about that more further. So I'm sitting around the kitchen yesterday, getting ready to watch the games. It's well, it would have been early afternoon, and I get a, a text come across as my phone, and it's Jumbo, the big the big guy, Joe Thornton, and I go, whoa, you know, Jumbo texts every once in a while, but I don't expect it during the playoffs. Yeah. It was before Game Four. He was suspended, obviously. And he shoots me a text. Let me pull it up right now. Sorry, everybody. I need to be more prepared. It's one of these things where I'm trying to drink a coffee. I can't take a, a sip because I got to talk and be entertaining. So he goes, this is verbatim from the big guy, Jumbo. In your phone is Jumbo? Yeah. Well, that's his name. And my name and his phone is Big. Because we were thinking of nicknames. And he's like, your nickname's got to be Big. It's got to be Big. So I would be coming around the room and the... The Sharks locker room is strange. Their their practice locker room where we spent most of our time. It's it's got two levels. The gym is upstairs and the locker room slash lounge is downstairs. So I'd be coming into the lounge to get changed and I'd hear big and I'd be like Jumbo. It was great. So I, I always knew where Jumbo was. And he from the shower, big get in here. I'm like I'm coming, Jumbo. It's so funny. Larry's got a hard stop at three. He keeps checking his watch. It's making me nervous. I'm going, Larry. I'm going. So I get this text. Like, oh, cool. Jumbo's texting me. It goes, I told Reeves that the other night he would never would have ran around, but big John Scott on the Sharkies. I told him that big treated him like a puppy dog. And Jumbo is funny. You got to, if you know him, you know, that would be exactly something that would come out of his mouth. But I thought that was cool. I was like, okay, this guy is about to, Watch game four, and he sends me his text. That's just the kind of cool guy he is. And he's like, we need to get you out on the, sh- on the team next year. I was like, big. 
or a jumbo. I don't know if I can. He's like, I'll get you a spot. Talk, call Dougie. We'll get it worked out. And Dougie's the, uh, the GM, Doug Wilson. And it was just cool. I just thought that was a cool little story where, you know, arguably one of the best players ever sends you a text. He's like, listen, all we need is a good six minutes out of you. That's it. I'm like, I'm coming, Jumbo. I'm going to play game four. I'll beat Reeves up and I'll be done. He's like, I love it. I love it. And well, go ahead, Tim. Coming out of retirement. Announcing it right now on this podcast. That's it. Back in the league next year. I'm back in, baby. I'm pulling uh, Jason Witten. I'm coming out of the booth onto the ice. I need to start skating yesterday. I need to get the muscle back. Oh, I could do it 100%. I'll get you in my uh, reenactment training program. Oh, my goodness. Whip you right into shape. Get me some guns. Or, you know, you don't use guns. You use your hands. I can't remember how that works. Use guns, John. But you just go pew, pew when you yes. shoot them, right? Make noises with our mouths. Okay. So I can do that. All right. I'm in. And then it just got, it got me, it got me fired up talking with Jumbo because of what Ryan Reeves said about him the other day, saying how he's old and he needs glasses and this and that. And it's like disrespect, you know, like to treat one of, if not the greatest passer of all time, who still puts up 40 to 50 points a year, who's 37. He's one of the best players ever top 10 in scoring ever. I think he might be top five right now. It's just the lack of respect. I get it. It's the playoffs. You're trying to get under his skin, but show a little class, Reeves. Like, come on. There are certain guys that just kind of seem untouchable, and I think Thornton's one of them. Yeah, Thornton is untouchable. Marlowe is untouchable. The guy, Luongo, the guys who have been around, who have earned the respect, you let those guys be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just not classy. I don't like it. When I heard it, I shook my head. I was like, gosh, I wish I was on the Sharks. He was right. If you were there. Oh, I would have knocked his block off. Oh, yeah. Reeves is a very, very, very tough customer. Don't get me wrong. Watch every one of his fights. Go back and watch him. And you count the amount of punches that he lands. And I will guarantee you, in a fight, if he throws five to ten punches, he lands zero 90% of the time. His main move is... I'm strong. I'm going to punch your shoulder. And when you're off balance, I'm going to throw another punch and throw you to the ice. And I win the fight because I'm super tough. That's his move. I fought him. That's what he did to me. I punched him a couple times. We were going back and forth. I threw a punch and he threw me to the ice. And I was like, really fun fight, Reevesy. Like, awesome. And then he wouldn't fight me after that. So I like the guy. I think he plays the game hard. He's a good player. I think he's the toughest guy in the league, even though he doesn't land any punches. He's tough. He's like super, super tough. But just don't talk about the legends. Like, I get it. It's the playoffs. But you could have worded it better. Like, Jumbo could pass. Like, like he, he could just skate circles around you. I don't get it. He's so talented. Such a cool guy. And you're just, say something silly like that. I don't get it. You know what grinds my gears? Guys, you don't show respect. Respect. Jumbo. All right, Larry, it's almost 3 o'clock. You got four minutes. I got four minutes, Tim. Should we talk about reenactment for four minutes? Talk about how the lightning blew it and how the pens blew it, how the flames are going to blow it? Well, one of your tweets last night that I think you sent out that whoever wins game four of the Bruins Maple Leafs would win the whole series. Yeah. And uh, Bruins we'll won. 
Bruins won, so we'll see if that if that works out. I think the Bruins will win. I think the Bruins will. Oh man, Bruins versus the Blue Jackets. What a series! I think if the Maple Leafs do win, I think the Blue Jackets run them over, just like they did with Tampa Bay. I don't know who's going to win the Cup. I don't know. It's been flipped upside down in the matter of a week. The Flames are playing terrible. Colorado looks like the best team in the West. Vegas came out of nowhere. The Sharks took a dump. Jones are playing them next game. I don't know why. Well, you, you said it a couple weeks ago, right? The, the reigning cup champion. No one's talking about them. They're yep. up 2-1 in the series. They're quietly going to win this one. No one is ta- still. No one's talking about it. The them. only thing they talk about is Ovechkin. Beating up Sveshnikov. Knocking out a 19-year-old, which was great. But, it's, yeah, no one's talking about them. And they're not. Like, the story is the Blue Jackets right now. Hey, if I'm the Caps, I'm loving where I'm at. I play the Islanders next round. I can beat the Islanders. I think the Caps right now are coming out of the East. They're the team to beat. I think the Bruins and Leafs will kill each other. Then the Leafs or the Bruins will kill each other versus the Blue Jackets. The Caps will play the Islanders. They got too much firepower. I don't know. It's so interesting. It changes every week, Tim. Tune in next week to see where we stand. Oh, it's a cliffhanger. What's going to happen? Thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in. We'll see you uh, we'll mañana. Have a happy Easter, everybody.